Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you so much for joining us tonight for Cabin Devolved. My name is David, and tonight I'm joined by Pastor Kevin Holman. The first time I called him Pastor Kevin, he said to me, if you will call me Pastor one more time, I'm going to call you Missionary David. <laughs> and that, that, that made a point, and I got the point uh, the first time. Uh, but I still call him Pastor Kevin out of uh, respect uh, for what God has called him. He's a ministry leader for uh, a church uh, back in Florida. And he's had some very many years of ministry. He's going to be sharing with us all of that uh, tonight on the show. And it's interesting when you talk about names, that there's something about name. And talking about the book of James tonight, not that this book is named after the author himself, just like many other books. Um, uh, It's interesting that the title is James and also the author is believed to be uh, James, it's going to be an interesting conversation. I'm personally looking forward uh, to tonight. Please go ahead and invite your friends. Uh, let them know that we are live. Tap that button uh, on your screen that has an arrow uh, pointing out that, that that icon. It means share. Go ahead and let your friends know. And by the way, every time you share this particular app awards you points, and I can see Peter or Perry has 300 points. We have uh, what's his name? This is uh, this is Bosco. Uh, Heart of Worship has 284 points. But thank you guys for being here. I can see Mr. Kevin is here with us. JJ, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, let me see who else. Theo Stock is also here with us, and uh, I know many others are coming. Pastor Patrick great uh, to have you i know from our previous episode you are our guest and you have the permission to call in if you have any thoughts or any questions uh, pastor patrick i think you've already been vetted <laughs> and found to be sober uh, at least in your doctrine you will know you can't believe that uh, many people uh, have some very difficult things uh, that they teach but pastor patrick thank you so much for gracing us with your presence uh, tonight um It's interesting that um, we are looking at this. It's going to be for the next five weeks, and I'm going to give you uh, details. But some of the questions that are going to come up uh, when it comes to this book is who James really is. I know there's been questions about when he came to faith. Why? Because his brothers, we're talking about Christ's brothers, took a while uh, to believe that he uh, is the Messiah. And it's interesting. Today, we just want to talk through the book. If you want to study the book, please go ahead. I think it will give you a better understanding. I'm not bringing people on the show who have no clue what we are talking about uh, in as much as it's merely talking through the book. I'm bringing people who have experienced these things and have have them tested out uh, in their lives. But let me give a moment to Pastor Kevin uh, to say hello to those of us who are listening in. Pastor Kevin, why don't you greet the listeners tonight? Well, hello to everybody from uh, Florida in the United States and uh, Missionary David. It's good to talk to you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you. You're going to have a field day each time I call you Pastor Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, but I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk with you on this book. This is a, this is such a uh, practical book, and it's one mm. that many times is challenged people, you know, as we've, as we've taught it or studied it, uh, there's just so much that, that really gets down to where we live at. 
Amen. I'm, I'm personally thinking that, I don't know where I read this, that James is considered the Proverbs of uh, the New Testament. It might be uh, true or false, um, but I find it to be true, even when I look through the book, because just chapter one alone has like almost three different topics, <laughs> if I can say. One minute he's talking about suffering, another minute he's going to something else, and that, that seems to be Proverbs. And I know there are people who have read the book of Proverbs and have kind of found a pattern, and I hope to find a pattern even as we, as we, as we look at uh, this book. But the verse for me that stands out, I'm going to ask you, Pastor Kevin, what verses stand out for you? That's basically going to be the question. And maybe for those of you who are listening in, please go ahead and post what verses stand out for you um, in James chapter 1. I would like us to look at a chapter for every every episode. And, and of course, we can refer to other parts of uh, John, I mean James, uh, as we discuss it. But let's try and stick within the chapters um, just for purposes of being systematic uh, in, our, in our talk. But uh, the reason for me, verse 2 to four stand out is because my wife and I attempted when we were dating so many years ago, we were tempted to try and memorize the book of James, but we could only go about two, three verses into, <laughs> into chapter one. And uh, this is what it says. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, starting from verse two, when you meet trials and various of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And, and this is what, uh, uh, what's his name? Matthew Henry's uh, had to say. He says, when the work of patience is complete, it will furnish all the necessary, all, sorry, all that is necessary for our Christian race and warfare. We should not pray so much for the removal of affliction as for wisdom to make a right use of it. And who does not want wisdom to guide him under trials, both in regulating his own spirit and in managing his affairs? Interesting question right there uh, that he asks. And the question is, who does not want wisdom to guide him under trials, both in regulating his own spirit and in managing his affairs. And I believe that each one of us, each one of us gathered uh, tonight would like some of our wisdom. And uh, that is why we are talking through this book. It's one thing I will promise, that there will be words of wisdom uh, spoken tonight and in the weeks to come. So, for the next Five weeks, we are going to talk through the book of James here on Cabin Devils. We have, of course, Pastor Kevin tonight. Next week, we have Dr. John Norris. Most of you have uh, heard him speak uh, here on the show. And then we are going to have on the 10th of July, that will be the third uh, chapter. We have Sam Ithiga from Nairobi, Kenya. And then on the 17th, we have... Edward Odongo, most of you know him as Teacher Edward because he teaches at the Word of Life International School 
great teacher, great communicator. And then on the 24th of July, that's chapter five, we'll have Mr. David uh, Chidabira, who is the director of World of Life here in Uganda. Those have all confirmed their presence. They've said, I will be there. And uh, then after these five weeks, we shall have Mask Off with Lucy. I know it's been a while since we last had Mask Off. I talked to a friend yesterday uh, that said, hey, man, Mask Off is very, very heavy. Uh, because the first time you tuned in, yes, it was heavy. And I want to, I want to acknowledge that in saying, yes, Mask Off is very, it's a very heavy program. And by heavy, I mean that we deal with really uh, difficult issues. Um, when that mask is removed, we get a glimpse of what God can do. And I think sometimes as Christians, um, we, we, get, we get to be sidelined. Um, in our Christian walk, we, we begin to think that all of it is smooth um, when we watch the perfection of other people, those that God has perfected in certain areas. Uh, but I think it's a reminder that we, we are broken people, we are sinful people, and we live in a sinful world. And Mask Off is one step in sharing the stories of those that God is working through live here on the show. Difficult stories that, again, uh, remind us that God can do all things. It's interesting that Paul says in Philippians 4, uh, 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that's really the theme uh, and the essence of Mask Off that God can work through us. Now, going back to the book of James, two facts that I was able to find online. Number one is, did you know that this is likely the first written document in the New Testament? And of course, Pastor Kevin is going to prove some of these facts either wrong or right. The other fact that I found no, interesting. I, <laughs> I, I agree with you totally on really? that. <clears throat> awesome. Awesome. Look at that. And then the other, the other fact I'll need your confirmation on is that James is among the disputed books of the canon of the New Testament, that they almost didn't want this book in the New Testament. I think there's actually years from what I read, moments in time for about, I think, four centuries where the book of James was not part of the New Testament. True or false? Well, it was, it was somewhat, I think, contested because of misunderstanding what James is saying in uh, chapter mm. two, especially regarding uh, the issue of work and uh, and salvation, and uh, <clears throat> so yeah, and there was some yes. there was some uh, <laughs> some discern some disagreement. I, I know that uh, uh, Martin Luther did not like it, for instance. <laughs> it kind of confirmed yes the Catholic uh, beliefs, uh, and I also read that. I didn't know how true that was, but yeah, thanks so much for clarifying that. But Pastor. Kevin or Kevin, <laughs> what, yes, first, what's that, well, what first? What what first stands out I, for you? I'll jump in where you where you talked about because that that strikes me right away. And and here comes the yeah. the very practical nature of this book. Uh, when you read verses two, three, and four, which you read already, uh, you ask the question: Who who doesn't want to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing? You know, we call that spiritual maturity. And and I think any Christian that has walked with the Lord for any time would say, yes, I, I want spiritual maturity. Of course I do. That's, I want to grow so God can use me. But if you look at the process that he gives here of how God brings that about, it's through testing of our faith. It's through trials. And, and so suddenly the, the, the Christian who finds difficulties in his life 
the challenge is we start grumbling or murmuring or saying, why is God doing this thing? And I think that right away we get, we see the challenge here that, that God is, is telling us, you know, there's this, there's this process that's going on where God is using even the most difficult things in our lives to grow us up in Christ. And so therefore the challenge is verse two, count it all joy. And, uh, to me, that's an incredible, you know, challenge and one that I don't always see Christians, uh, Christians accomplish, but yet sometimes I do. I, uh, I've seen both sides of this. I've, I've seen, uh, someone who, uh, a Christian for years who has said to me, you know, I've never doubted the goodness of God before, but this trial is so heavy. I just do not see how God could be allowing this. And, and I hear that and my heart breaks, but then I, I just recently, God has let me see three or four examples of people in my life. Just this past week on Wednesday, I was sitting with a young lady who is in the midst of cancer treatment and she was just overflowing with joy, just talking about the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God in her life. And it was just incredible. Uh, I, I was speaking of uh, a couple of months before that with a woman who has had her leg amputated and is in a, a, a nursing home and is, is, you know, in a situation very difficult, but her countenance, her face, she is just overflowing with joy and just, just talks about how good God is. And, and I think it's, I think it goes to show that it's not unattainable, but we have to be very deliberate when, when hard times come to, to see the, the promise of God that he's going to work in this to bring something out. I heard somebody ask the, the question one time, uh, if, you, if you squeeze fruit, you get the juice of the fruit. So, you know, if you squeeze a grape, what do you get? Grape juice. And if you squeeze uh, over here in, in our part of Florida, we have oranges or lemons. You squeeze those, you get orange uh, juice or lemon juice. Someone asked the question, what do you, what do you get when you squeeze a, Christ, a Christian? And the answer is joy. You know, it's, it's, our, our life gets tough. It gets difficult. God allows these things to come and it should bring joy into our life. So, uh, but the question is, the challenge is, does this really happen like it ought to? Does That's that... the big question. Yeah. It, it, does it happen like it ought to? Why? Because it's interesting, Pastor Kevin, that you, you bring this up. It's, it was kind of the sermon today that a, a, a past, the pastor was talking about, at least for the church that I attended. And it's, it's difficult. Um, he, I mean, he picked it from Habakkuk, um, where he asks the questions. Why, I mean, I'll paraphrase, why would God watch when so much evil um, is, is happening and, and evil can be suffering? And he gave some very difficult uh, examples where it would be difficult, at least initially, to find joy. Um, there's the pain that comes initially. And and I think that's where the confusion sometimes is, even with believers, that we, and I, don't, I hope you're not talking about, and I know you're not talking about, um, when painful moments come, that we will instantly uh, have this joy. That Maybe the question I should ask, is there a moment uh, in your life that you're comfortable sharing that was difficult? And maybe in the process, you were able to 
find joy. Um, it may not initially have been joyful, uh, but you were able to find joy. Talking about uh, the friend you you mentioned that is 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 diagnosed with cancer, I'm, I'm sure the original diagnosis did not bring him joy, and yet today they they talk to you and they have this joy that even humans cannot explain. Um, but is there an example, uh, uh, Pastor Kevin, that you would like to uh, share with us, either a personal or one that illustrates a process of eventually uh, being joyful? Oh, I, I think that, you know, I've had a lot of those and I agree with you completely. We, we certainly don't jump immediately to joy. Uh, that's the challenge is to to see the hand of God at work and know that my father is faithful. He's allowing this, but, but there's first when any of these things, you know, strike our life, we have, uh, uh, had, you know, family members who are sick. We've had family members that we've lost, you know, through death. We've had, we have four children. And, and so we have a lot of grandchildren when, when something goes wrong in one of their lives, we don't, we don't hear that news and say, Oh boy, great. It's not like a, it's not like a superficial happiness, Joy is is the deep abiding sense that as difficult as this is, I am going to hang on to God because I know that he is at work and he can be trusted. Uh, I, I think back to Job, you know, when he loses his family and all of his possessions in, in one moment's time and, and yet his response, you know, naked I came from the womb, naked I return, blessed be the name of the Lord you know, that's not an easy thing to say. And remember, he was the most righteous man on the earth at his time. Uh, and we know he went on to have his his struggles as, as the pain and the difficulties went on. Uh, but he never turned against God. He, he, he remained faithful, even though he had questions. And, and I think that, you know, I wouldn't say uh, by any means, oh, we'll, we'll reach a point where no matter uh, we we just hear about some terrible accident or some horrible disease with someone that we know and love, uh, I'm not saying that we would just instantly smile and say that's great, uh, but but to say uh, this is going to use be used by my God to bring about something greater, I, I, and I'm going to trust. I'm going to hang on to Him. I think, by the way, that's why uh, chap- uh, verse five follows right after verses two, three, and four because we don't see the whole picture. So that's when he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, because I think that's right where we we end up being is, Lord, so what do I do here? Is this something that you want in my life for me to accept? Is this something that I should search my, my life and say, is there uh, some sin or something going on that you're dealing with me on? Is this something I should seek a solution if I'm being persecuted, or do I just decide to to suffer the persecution, somewhere in that, I need wisdom. Uh, you know, I, I need God's wisdom. And I think that's why he goes right into that topic, because it's in the midst of those hard trials that we need God to help na- help us navigate that to know how we should walk. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think, I think yes, um, that's verse five, like you said, is, is perfect <laughs> in terms of where it is. Uh, to ask for wisdom because, of course, we all find ourselves in moments, especially initially, where we lack uh, wisdom. And I think it's rhetorical to say if anyone of you lacks wisdom, I think it's 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 in saying all of you lack wisdom. Therefore, ask him. <laughs> and yes. and I think that that's 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 a very beautiful verse uh, to follow. But 
talking about suffering, I hope this is going to be my last question as we move on through uh, some of these other verses. When it comes to the fuel prices, um, it's it's not unique to your home area. Back home, they're going high. That has implications. But have you found any joy yet? Or, or are you still at the initial shock and pain <laughs> when it comes to how the fuel prices are going? Talk to some of us who own cars and are using public means uh, when it comes to all these pictures that are being posted uh, of how crazy the fuel prices are going. Um, what? How have you been able to find joy? Uh, Pastor Kevin. Well, one of the ways for me, and, and I just went through this process recently with a similar uh, issue, was to reflect back on the fact that this world is not our home. Uh, we do not ultimately belong here. We are we are strangers, the Bible says, passing through. And uh, our, real, our real citizenship, according to, to Philippians chapter 3, is, is in heaven, uh, from which we also we eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, I'm here in this world for, uh, for a time, and I have to live here as long as God has me here. But this isn't home. And, and so I, I think it helps me when I'm facing something like uh, wh- whether it's high fuel prices or uh, disappointment in, in uh, corruption in government or, or, or maybe uh, being wronged by a, by a business to, to know that it's okay. Um, these, these things are going to happen. Uh, and I just need to remember that's because I'm not home yet. Uh, home is heaven, and, and right now we're passing through. So, so that that just gives me some perspective to to look at and say, um, you know, there, therefore I can I can know that God is is at work here, and and I think too uh, that one of the things to keep in mind is, you know, it's not just we as Christians who are suffering with things like high fuel prices. Uh, our, our whole society around us is, and so this is a time where we get a chance to shine and show the difference that Jesus makes that we don't have to be grumbling and complaining and hopeless or, or you know, upset or angry. We can, we can bear these things and, and show people the difference that Christ makes in something as practical as dwindling resources or, or difficulty, you know, meeting some of the, the, the demands of what I expect to be able to do. Um, you know, can I, can I let people see that if I follow Christ, I can, I can hold those things with a loose hand. Wow. Um, this is not home. And if you've traveled away from home for a while, some things don't happen the way you expect them to happen. Maybe it's the kind of food that you're eating that is unfamiliar. I think usually the joy comes from knowing this is not home. <laughs> I'm going home. Uh, Sunday, and I think that's that's a great reminder um, that we yes, this is not home. Wow, I, I hadn't looked at fuel prices that way. I'm sorry to say, but thank you so much, Pastor Kevin. That that has been of uh, great great encouragement. Well, Pastor Kevin, which other verse stands out for you as you look at James chapter one? Oh, uh, you know, uh, the, a, a couple of the passages, the first, the first uh, you know, the, or another one I'd look at would be in uh, verses 19 and 20. Uh, I've used this many times in counseling because it's such a common issue. Know this, 
My beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This is, again, one of those uh, passages in James that is so pointed and so, so, so practical because very often uh, you find people uh, doing just the opposite. When they are upset with somebody, uh, they are slow to hear, quick to speak, and quick to anger. And, uh, and then they find reasons to excuse their anger and, and say, well, I've just, uh, you know, it, uh, they just got me upset. I, I just said that because I was angry. And, and uh, you know, this is very important because I've, I've asked this, I told you I use this in counseling, in marriage counseling many times, if I'm dealing with someone who's had an argument with their spouse and, and they're holding a grudge and I say, okay, let's, let's just look at this for a moment. Um, uh, this, this issue that you're upset, that you're angry about, uh, tell me what it is. And then as they talk about it, I'll say, now, let me ask a question. Uh, does this sound to you like a, a reason to be angry for the kingdom and glory of God, for, for, for his righteousness and his holy name on earth? Or does this sound more like a an argument or anger because your your foot got stepped on, you didn't get your way, uh, you know? And so often it's because someone, you know, a husband comes home and he doesn't like the, you know, what the wife has cooked for dinner, or or the wife is upset because the husband is not taking care of something that she wanted him to do, and and, and I think that this to me there is a trend that becomes very obvious if you ask people this question. Uh, this, this thing that you're angry about, does this seem like something that is for the, the righteousness of God's kingdom and his, and his glory? Or is this because you didn't get your way or something was done to you? And that means in the latter case that it's the anger of man. Uh, and, and that doesn't produce the righteousness of God. So, so to me, the challenge there to be quick to hear rather than slow, you know, quick to hear and slow to speak. Oh, I tell people, think carefully before you say something hurtful to a person in your life, especially uh, a close relationship like a child or your parent or a spouse. Uh, think of the proverb that says that there's one who speaks like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And I say, you know, you don't want to run somebody through with a sword. Because even afterwards, if you say, well, I was just angry, I, I didn't mean it, you, you've run them through with a sword, they're still bleeding because sometimes people will say very ugly things, you know, because they're angry. And then that, that call to be slow to anger. So I think that's very practical to me and something that I deal with with, with people a lot, walking them through, trying to get them to, to, uh, to be concerned about kingdom issues and not so much because their own personal rights uh, were, were not respected by somebody. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, you bring up this topic at uh, a point where personally I was, I was recently meditating uh, on the same issue on anger. And I had to face a question as part of a Bible study where they asked the question, which moments have you found yourself angry? And I think it's a good descriptive uh, question that allows us to kind of deal with, 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 with this anger. And when you read this verse, originally it didn't come to me, but when you're reading it just now, it, it, I'm trying to see a pattern. I've been looking for patterns in trying to make sense of the book of James. But would you agree that, okay, let me start here. 
one of the points or areas I was able to identify, at least on my end, that have been sources or where I've been very vulnerable um, is, is being patient with people. And I thought to myself, maybe I'm not being as patient as I ought to be. No wonder there are moments where I'm angry. And and some of the things I can think about is me talking to my children and saying, how many times have I told you? Blah, 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 blah. And I think every parent uh, has done that. And and the other thing that I could maybe point at is, is having to wait, for example, uh, for people. I, I have a tendency of getting ready in the morning very, very quickly because I tend to have similar shirts. They are gray and I don't like choosing what color I'm going to wear. And so in less than 10 minutes, I can be ready to get out of the house. I have a huge cup where I can put almost three, two cups of coffee and can take me through the day. So I could actually uh, easily miss breakfast and have it take away. And, but sitting in the car, and having to wait for everyone else to get ready. And you're screaming, <laughs> literally, without saying a word that we are late, we are late, we are late, we need to go. And it's moments like those where I found myself angry. But is there a connection um, with patience and anger? And I'm going to take it to the extreme. Of course, we are talking through the book of James, and I will need your wisdom. Uh, Pastor Kevin, but even in failing to forgive, I have a feeling that we are, we just cannot wait for another uh, to get to a place where maybe God wants them or to a place of growth. Would we say that patience has a direct line connected to, to anger? And of course, I'm seeing some of the words here, quick and slow and quick and slow and meekness uh, as some of the keywords that stand out from the verses that you just read. But do you have any comments on that, Pastor Kevin? Oh, absolutely. I think that the, uh, the the thing we tend to do in error is we we think that our our relationship with God, our spiritual walk, is just vertical between us and Him. Like if I've read my Bible and if I've prayed, then I'm good for the day, no matter what. But God keeps mixing in the horizontal aspect, how we treat other people, and that comes out again and again throughout the New Testament, especially really throughout the whole Bible. Uh, because it was in the Old Testament too, but we see it really clear in, for instance, how how patient we are with people, or or do we get angry and explode with abusive words? You know, he speaks about that in the book in the book of James, um, and uh, and do we forgive people when they wrong us, or do we hold a grudge? And again, that burning anger, and and this, you know, God connects this again and again to uh, this. Uh, to to our walk with him or you know we can't say uh, I love God and I'm I'm walking close to him I'm just really angry with all these other people in my life that <laughs> it doesn't work like that and that's what James of course deals with and and that's why he's so practical he keeps he keeps popping the illusional bubble that we have that uh, it doesn't matter how I treat people uh, I'm doing fine and, uh, and he keeps bringing us back to that and saying, no, no, it, it does matter because uh, God has these people in his image and they're in your life for a purpose and you have to treat them the way that God wants you to treat them. So, um, yeah, I think it's very connected. Amen. That's, that's interesting to look at uh, that way in knowing that we, we cannot pretend to be okay with God 
and, and not with other people. I do not know if you've seen this, the, the question asked by JJ in the comment. I think it's the last comment there. It says, what do you mean to be slow? What does it mean? Not what do you mean? What does it mean to be slow to anger? Anger is an emotion. So how do you go slow down? <laughs> <laughs> on your emotions it also sounds like it sounds like just go, be slow eventually you'll get there but what does it mean being slow to anger in, in simple words <laughs> yeah I, I i don't think it just means to take your time and get good and angry uh i i think it means uh to 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 deliberately um take time so that you can evaluate and and see it more objectively rather than act rashly um, many times i've i've uh, written a communication to someone uh, and wanted to hold it and wait till the next day and read it again and sometimes when you do that you find out that i was a little harsh in how i said that uh, i shouldn't have have sent that you know as as, as pointed or, or mean-spirited and so if we wait uh, and and then can come back to it, sometimes you know we've settled down a little bit and we are a little more objective, and then we can we can weigh it more fairly. Uh, I think that the idea of being slow to anger is just don't rush uh, to uh, pick up an offense and, and and blast somebody that you've perceived has done something against you that that is you know touched upon your rights. Uh, instead, let that let that lie there and, and be, and and consider and, and and pray about it, and ask the Lord to give you perspective. And, and maybe the next day there still is something that you need to talk to the person about. But then we can do what it says in Ephesians chapter four: we we can speak the truth in love, rather than sending off an angry email or text or or, or blasting somebody and letting them know. Uh, you know, right away what they've done to us, you know, taking time is, 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 uh, uh, it's a good attribute. And I think that's what God's, you know, giving us the direction to here so that we don't jump right into the anger of man, which is so easy to do. Amen. Uh, and I, I like that in trying to find the meaning of the statement, slow to anger, we kind of did the opposite. What does being quick to anger uh, mean? And I think that's, that's I, I believe it's being hot-tempered and it's the idea of do not be quick. Um, and I think, but thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Let me take a minute here. Um, I didn't process the next question well, and I'm going to ask you for your third verse, uh, uh, Pastor Kevin. But if, if a question came in from a friend uh, here that asks concerning verse 7 uh, to 11, uh, allow me to read this. As, as we get a context of his, of his question. Verse 7 says, For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded, uh, unstable in all his ways. Let me give this uh, context, maybe starting from verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, sorry for backing it up a bit. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and will be given to him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that pastor must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded uh, man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exhortation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. 
For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beauty perishes. So all, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. And here's a question. And I, I think, I believe this question will, will help in so many ways. I've personally been thinking about this recently with a friend um, in likening it to Ecclesiastes, where he says, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And the reason that's difficult is uh, to accept is, is sometimes those who are rich will tell you, oh, uh, money is not, is, not, is not good for you, it's bad, it's, and, and they had it or they have it. And a friend of mine says, you know what, let me first get rich. And then I'll decide for myself what is good and <laughs> bad. <laughs> okay. I won't allow the rich to decide for me. Um, and But the question here is, how do we live our lives with the knowledge that the coming of the Lord is at hand? Should we make plans for the future or focus on the present? How do we live our lives with a patient expectation of the Lord's return? And I think this is what they are trying to imply that if the Lord was coming back tomorrow, definitely my account balance may not matter as much as it does right now. I think that's the question they are asking, but I could be wrong. But how would you answer a question like that based on verse 7 to 11, Pastor Kevin? Well, I think that that the uh, idea of when we uh, expect from God and we look to God to meet a need, that we're trusting in the the character, the person of God, that he will be faithful to his promises. So if he says, going back to verse 5, that he will give generously to all who ask without reproach, you know, God's not stingy. He's not, he's not tight-fisted, unwilling to give wisdom to those who ask. He wants to give what his children need so that we can live our life the way that he wants us to. And, and so uh, I think, you know, James is addressing the person who in the midst of trials, going back to the earlier verses still, uh, just feels like there's no way God wants to really help me. And, and so he's, you know, telling the readers that, hey, if you're, if you're doubting the, the goodness of God and his desire to, to give you, then you're, you're double-minded. You're, you're like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. You know, the waves of the sea don't generate their own direction. The, the reason why the wave goes a certain direction is because outside forces act on it. The wind acts upon it to, to make the wave move. And, and so the, the wave has no, has no staying power. It has no, no deep center of its own. It's just blowing back and forth. And, and so that's how we are if we doubt the goodness of God. So the, the, the statement then in verse seven, that a person shouldn't suppose that he's going to receive anything from the Lord because he's double-minded. He's he's coming and saying, God, would you please give me this wisdom or anything he's asking for? Would you please give this to me? But I know you're not really going to do it. Then he says, you're unstable in all your ways. Um, I've used the illustration there of uh, trying to stand up in a canoe. I don't know if you have canoes in Uganda, but you know these boats that are, you know, you have to sit down in to, to keep from flipping over. But if you stand up, you know, and you're not really, really skilled, you're going to flip over. And that's how that person is that says, uh, I'm going to ask of God, but I don't think God's going to, going to follow through and, and do what I'm asking. Uh, it puts us in a very precarious place because we're actually saying, God, I don't believe you. 
that you tell me that you give generously to all without reproach, but I don't trust you for that. And and so we're always coming back. I think God is working to to bring us into this deeper relationship, this deeper trust. And then verses 9 through 11, uh, now suddenly we're talking again. James writes to a broad audience. You know, he's writing to the 12 tribes. That's the Jewish tribes that are scattered abroad in the dispersion, uh, that were scattered in the time between uh, the Old and New Testament. And and I think he's writing a very broad letter sort of, you know, to to people in different situations. Some of them are not believers. Some of them are believers and walking with the Lord. Some are, are, are very worldly or shallow believers. And so I think he's, sometimes we see him taking people to task and, and being very challenging on it. But, but I think that, that idea in, in verses 9, 10, and 11, um, you know, saying, hey, if you are in the midst of trials and, and you're in hardship, you're the lowly brother, uh, you ought to be exalting. Don't doubt God. Be exalting because really you're, you're in God's hand and, and he's working in your life. But if you, if you are rich and everything is going the way that you want, uh, then remember you, you can disappear in a moment. And then what do you have before God? So there's a challenge there to, to not try to, you know, feel comfortable because of our, our worldly, uh, condition, um, is that touches on the return of Christ. I, I think, you know, that's one of the things to, to keep in mind always that we, we, we look forward to, we, we yearn for the coming of the Lord because that is going to be uh, ultimately what rescues us from the challenges, the hardship of this world. I, I referenced earlier Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, you know, where, where again, Paul said, you know, for our citizenship is in heaven. And then he goes on to say, from which also we eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. And, and so we're, you know, if we're living with the right mindset, we're, we're remembering, I'm, I'm just a stranger. I'm passing through, I'm, I'm staying in a motel room right now, and it's not the best place, but the Lord's coming for me. And when he does, um, that's when I'm going to really enter into life. So right now, if I'm, if I'm in a, a humble situation, I should rejoice because I can trust in God. If I'm, if I'm the rich man, don't get full of myself and think that I am so great because that all means nothing. It'll disappear in a moment, just like the the grass withers. So it, it all comes down to this. I think David, this trust relationship that I am uh, leaning into my walk with God and, and trying to draw close to him and trust him more and not just look at what's going on around me in this life, because all, all of this is going to disappear. Oh man, it's great. It's just great talking through these things. Um, and I have, I have a question, several questions. I'm going to try and organize my mind in a very, very short period of time. But just to, to double click on, on some of the things you talked about, again, you brought back um, waiting uh, on the Lord, for the Lord is at hand in, in a way I had not even thought about and used the motel room as the example. Um, and it's, it's a reminder, one, in suffering that this is not home. But I also want to believe 
that even where there might seem to be abundance, we have to be reminded that it is not home. Taking the example of, uh, of Moses uh, that knew that Egypt is not home. Even Joseph knew that Egypt is not home in as much as there was abundance. Upon his death, he said, carry my bones with you because this is not home. And even in the comforts of, of, uh, of this world, we must be reminded that this is not home. Um, and uh, I, I just visited some friends who hosted us in a very, very beautiful house. I think it's the most comfortable house I've lived in um, for two months. But once in a while, I had to be reminded, this is not home. David, you're going back home. This is not home. And that 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 for me is has has been almost a description you 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 brought up of a canoe, a man standing in a canoe. Uh, I think that's the best picture I've had of someone being unstable. I, I once attempted to get into a kayak, and I, I think I have the experience you've just been talking about. But the question I can't, <laughs> I, the, 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 the statement I can't, I can't grasp really well is when he says in verse 8, he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That is a very absolute statement. All his ways, can a man be unstable in one way? But it looks like this man is unstable in all of his ways. It sounds like we should understand what that really means because we get it wrong in one area, there's a tendency to get it in all areas. What does it mean, unstable uh, in all these ways? And quickly, I want to ask the last question. Okay. So the uh, I, I think that, that that unstable in all his ways He's talking about verse 7 for that person. Which person do we mean? He's talking about the person, uh, verse 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. And and I I think that it's kind of our our trust in God, our, our faith that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. That's one of those, uh, it's one of those, characteristics that runs through our entire life. If I don't, if I don't trust God to really be faithful to his promises, that doesn't just touch my devotional life. It just, it doesn't just touch my prayer life. It touches everything in my life because I I cannot draw upon the power of God for daily living. If I have doubt that he will really fulfill his word and and supply what he says he'll he'll supply. So I, I think that that's what makes a person unstable in all his ways, because it's a very core element that has gotten, you know, lost when we don't have active faith in God. Mm. Reminds me of the scripture that says, he that comes to God must believe that he is. Uh, he's a rewarder of those um, who daily seek him, I think, I believe. I hope I got yes. that uh, wording right. But thank you, and thank you so much. Let me remind those of us who are listening that this is Talk Through the Book of James. We are only in Chapter 1. We will do Chapter 2 to 5 in the next uh, coming four weeks. There's something interesting that I'm putting together, and I know I've talked to you about so many ideas of what cabin divos could be uh, in trying to just dream uh, for this particular podcast. I always remind people we are more than a podcast. If you'd like details, go to cabindevils.com and right there you'll find most of the information about what this is all about, cabindevils.com. 
But recently, I got a brighter idea. Um, I say brighter because at the beginning of the year, we had a bright idea when I asked you guys, what do you think about small groups? And some of you were excited about the possibility of having small groups. But here is a brighter idea. What if we had a platform on Cabin Devils as a website called Resources, where you get a chance to choose what you would like to be a part of. And I've come up with so far three of those types. A friend of mine uh, who I shared this vision with said, you can have at least four. And they, they, they just mentioned an extra one. But one of them that is I'm almost done with is called the book club. The book club. Why? Because on this particular platform, you get to sign in the username and password and you shall be able to discuss a book. I have 15 copies right now, hard copies of Ceasefire uh, by Chip Nightingale that I've given to 15 of my good friends. And I want them to rotate to 15 others, those who would like to be a part of this book club. And on this platform so far, we have two books there. One of them is the Book of Gems, the typical book as we know it from the scriptures. And if you'd like to be a part of a club that is going to be discussing this book of gems, send me an email. We are still developing this. It's still in its beta version. It's full of bugs. I hope to clear most of these bugs out by the end of the week. But if you want to get an earlier version of what this looks like and you're able to kind of see the mistakes I'm going to make as I'm putting this together uh, with all the broken cords and just want to get an earlier version. It's like showing up at the site of a house before it's painted. If you'd like to get a fast look at what this looks like, send me an email right now at david at cabindivos.com. I'll allow you in so you can see the foundation in its nakedness. And maybe uh, you can be a part of this, david at cabindivos.com. I hope that next Sunday I'll be able to tell you that this is ready and so you can be a part of it. Those of you who have already signed up to receive uh, articles in your inbox, in your email, you'll get a notification in your email as soon as we are ready to go. It is three minutes to the top of the hour. And I'm going to ask one last question. I hope it will be brief. We almost talked about all the verses. Thinking of this, coming from verse two all the way to verse um, eight, I think we've talked through most of that. I think the only one we're missing right now is temptation. Then we skipped and went to uh, verse 19 in just talking through the book of James. But... Pastor Kevin, is there any other verse that comes to mind that maybe encourages you? My questions tonight are simple. What verse encourages you? Second question, what other verse encourages you? And then the third question is, is there any other verse that encourages you, Pastor Kevin, as we come to the end of our show? <laughs> it's as simple well, as that. Well, okay. If we're talking about verses in James, one one that I think is really key in the chapter as well that, that – uh, I wouldn't want to leave without touching on is, is verses, uh, really verse 22 through 24, you know, the idea of being a doer of the word, but be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror for he does, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. And, and I think that, that, uh, uh, reminds me of a person that, you know, is eating and, and gets a messy face, uh, maybe sauce, uh, food on his face and looks in the mirror and sees, oh my, I need to wipe my face off. But he steps back from the mirror and immediately forgets that he has this sauce or this, uh, food on his face and goes about his day. 
And, uh, you know, we've all been in a situation where we've had something on our face, uh, a smudge or uh, some some uh, mark, and we've been unaware and people, you know, have looked at us. We've gone through the day and finally somebody who loves us tells us, oh, by the way, you've got something on your face. And, and they're like, oh, why didn't anybody? But, but I, you know, we don't want to live like that. We, we want to we want to live in a way that we're taking care of the issues that God's word, the mirror of our soul is showing us that need to be. So, so I guess one thing I'd say there is, is that's definitely a, 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 a passage that I think is, is so good because again, it's practical. We're, we're, we shouldn't feel content just because, Oh, we've talked through these and now we understand these verses. God's always concerned about, but are you doing these verses? Because that's an action, you know, that God's looking for a response. Amen. Thanks. Um, what have you found to be the hardest uh, part when it comes to being a doer of the word? And and I, I ask that because I know there are moments where you also struggle in applying the scriptures. It could be culture. It could be not wanting to offend people. Um, what are you found to be difficult when it comes to application? Things you read in the scripture say, I need to apply this, but then you want to take three steps back in how you, you apply that, that part of the scripture. Pastor well, I think a lot of times it comes down to things in personal relationships with people that we overlook mm -hmm. an offense, that we, that we pray for someone who persecutes us. Uh, say somebody does something wrong to us. Uh, we, uh, you know, if that should happen, if somebody gossips about us or, or somebody um, uh, in some way uh, wrongs us or, or takes something from us, there's this, you know, there's this natural desire in us, you know, of the natural man to, to want to speak up and, and be angry and get even with them in some way or, or you know. And so to me, uh, the challenge to 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 say in those areas, this is where God's word really, you know, we have a saying: the rubber meets the road. Uh, I don't know if you use that saying there, but but the 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 idea that I'm, you know, it's it's not enough for me to just say, oh, I, I see these teachings of the Bible. This is so enlightening to talk about these verses. Now I understand so much more. God is still waiting for. I mean, that's all good. We need knowledge, but knowledge is not the answer. The answer is obedience. We take that knowledge and then we step out in obedience and we do. So now, you know, my, my neighbor that's hard to live with, I have to do what the scripture says and find ways to love them, to do good to the one that hates me, to pray for the one that persecutes me. And, and so those are the areas that, you know, come back again and again that, you know, um, we must do that as believers because the world is watching and, and they see the difference when we act like anybody else, when they, when they get wronged by someone or when we are quick to forgive and, uh, and let love cover a multitude of sins. So I think it's those areas are the, are the toughest, but that is where we end up with what James says at the very end, true religion, you know, mm -hmm. you know, that something that really, pleases our father, not just words, but action. Amen. When it comes to relationship with people, that's, that, yeah, you're right. I think I would, I would identify with the same uh, being difficult um, in applying. Ladies and gentlemen, it's two minutes past 10. Um, 
it's great to have you guys. Thank you so much uh, for being a part of this. I, I, I hope and pray that you will be able to join chapter two, three to five as we continue to talk through the book of James. I think it's been awesome. I, I've loved my time uh, with you, uh, Pastor Kevin. It's It's been encouraging. It's It's been um, a lot of learning. Uh, I'll, I'll not look at the canoe the same <laughs> again. <laughs> it will be a great reminder of how unstable we can get, especially when we doubt who God is. It's It's been perfect in a way that it's it's matched up exactly with what we were talking about today, or at least what this, the pastor was preaching today at church, uh, talking about suffering. And you know that something I'd never noticed, that in the book of Job, number one, that God initiated that conversation with the devil. Have you seen my servant? Have you considered my servant? Sometimes we think the devil attacked Job and all these things, but it's God actually who initiated that conversation. But when people were asking why, 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 God answered the why questions with a who. Who made this? Who made this? Who, who, who? And that I'd, I don't think I had seen. And, and so doubting who God is, I think is is one of those areas that will cause us to be unstable uh, in all our ways. It's always a reminder that amid suffering, God knows what he is doing. But thank you. And thank you so much, uh, Pastor Kevin. It's been great to have you. And allow me to say bye to you guys. We'll see you again next week. Let me remind you again, uh, those of you who contributed to uh, a gentleman's tuition, uh, to be in school, he's begun, and I shared this with you last week, he's begun school, and thank you, thank you so much uh, for those of you who are praying and were able to help uh, in this way. As cabin divos, we would like to see more and more people uh, at least kind of find help in areas like this. And I'm dreaming of so many other things that I'll be able to share with you uh, in the near future. But I just wanted to say thank you so much. Have a good night. Allow me to leave you with this song that I played for you earlier on for your encouragement uh, to be reminded that God will see us through. If you scroll through the lyrics, I mean the, the, the comments, you'll be able to find the lyrics. But have a good night. And hope to see you again on Sunday at 9 p.m. East. African time. If you're going to listen to a podcast before you go to before bed, you go to before you go to bed, you can as well grow in your faith. Cabin Devils. Cabin Devils. Your number one live podcast.